Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years. He's the optics manager over there. If you guys need any optical needs at all, anything to do with glassing, binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call. 602-399-3699. That is his cell phone. You can also text him at that number. You can also call him at GoHunt at 702-847-8747. I want to thank GoHunt Optics for their sponsorship of the podcast. Guys, I also want to let you know that GoHunt maps have been released and they are right now available to insider members. I have had an intimate role in this go hunt mapping process of uh, getting these maps just how we need them. They are awesome for Western hunters. Go hunt maps is built for Western hunters. Go Hunt's first focus has always been creating solutions for hunters like us to make them as successful as possible both for themselves and for the advancement of conservation. With the launch of Go Hunt Maps app, Western hunters are empowered to meet their needs all in one platform. Discovering hunts with filtering 2.0 and draw odds and preparing with expertise and gear and now take maps into the field. Guys, I've had an intimate role in helping develop the app and I think you're really going to like it. Make sure you're an insider member. So go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for an insider membership if you're not already an insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to kuiu.com, kuyu.com. It's a direct-to-consumer company. You can order all of the products directly off the website. That's the only place you can get it. Go to kuiu.com. PhoneScope is the adapter I use to take videos and photos right from my iPhone 12 Pro, right through my spotting scope or binoculars. Go to PhoneScope.com, use the JScott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Guys, let's get right to the episode. Guys, welcome to the JScott Outdoors podcast. Today, I've got Ben Brochu of Shadow Valley Outfitters on the line. Ben, how are you? Very well. How about yourself, Jay? Good. I look forward to having you on the podcast again today. I know we had a great chat before and I got some good feedback. We're looking at the Arizona uh, deer application deadline coming up here quick and I wanted to get you on and have a little chat about some of the deer that you've got going, uh, the deer hunts and such down in southern Arizona. Yeah, no, as always, I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for having me on and uh, yeah, we're always willing to help anyone who has any questions or wants to talk shop and discuss strategy and you know whatnot so uh certainly appreciate the opportunity for sure um ben i'll let you give a little background on yourself but when i first met you you were actually with the arizona game and fish department uh give a little bit of background on that and then what you're doing now as well as your guiding so yeah back we met boy over a decade ago i guess probably in one of the sheep captures and the superstitions or something but um so yeah my history i'm uh i went to the u of a and graduated with a degree in in wildlife ecology they still uh, giving degrees out at u of a <laughs> very hard earned ones i should say <laughs> so um but yeah i did that bounced around the state for a short time and then got on with the arizona game and fish department uh, I worked for the Arizona Game and Fish for 14 years in various different capacities, 
and I was a game warden for 11 years, I guess, um, focusing more on the southern part of the, the state, uh, down 30A, 29 for a short time, and then around Tucson, 37B, 31, 32, 33, uh, and did a lot of stuff just out of the Tucson Region 5 uh, area. So um, did that, and then probably, I guess, five years ago, I decided to uh, make a change, I guess, in career paths, um, and I got hired with Tucson Fire Department, where I currently work, and um, I'm able to do that, and then do the uh, lots of hunting and guiding on the side, and spend more time with the family, and you know, do a lot of hunting with them as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and in terms of Shadow Shadow Valley Outfitters. Uh, Pat McCarty and Bob Dykeman started Shadow Valley late 15, early 16, and I joined up about, I guess, three years ago um, and became a third owner. Um, and my focus is coos deer hunts and over-the-counter type hunts and uh, elk stuff where I can help too. So um, everything's going good, and we're uh, off to a busy start for the year and eager to see what the... Uh, what the deer stuff does so yeah i keep hearing about early monsoon and and a decent monsoon so let's hope that that's that's the case i know all of the state all of the southwest needs it but i know for sure um southern arizona all of arizona needs it uh, so let's hope that the, the rain comes early and and plentiful um back to your years 14 years at the arizona game and fish um that being a wildlife manager and, and different units and, and whatnot, that also gave you the opportunity to be involved in a lot of helicopter surveys and ground surveys and all sorts of stuff. Um, how do you think that that's helped you, um, you know, in being a very successful coos deer guide that you have been and that you are? Um, I mean, it certainly helps a lot. You know, I, hunting, being a successful hunter is all about, knowing wildlife and their behaviors and different things like that, you know, uh, habitats they like, uh, patterns, and, and again, general behaviors. And however you can get that um, information, whether it's, you know, just time spent, boots on the ground, out scouting, uh, glassing a lot, whatever else, I mean, it, it, it certainly, that's what it's all about. And, you know, I, I'm in the unique opportunity that I was able to, Work for the department. I did a lot of wildlife captures out of helicopters, lots of surveys out of helicopters, lots of foot surveys, hunter, you know, hunter check type things. And um, that generally speaking, you know, it, it's, it's some additional information that you can kind of piece together the puzzle a bit better. Um, and, and it's a unique perspective as well. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly uh, was presented with a very unique opportunity and and um, I'd like to think that, you know, I've got a different perspective, I guess, based on the um, totality of everything that I've either learned or participated in or been through. So before we dive into talking about specific units, um, I want to ask you about actually specific time frames of the seasons of the hunts. Uh, and, and before we even get to that, ask you about, is your focus primarily on big, large trophy deer, or are you also doing lots of hunts where they're more opportunity type hunts and you're just taking, you know, 
group of two or three guys that have you know certain coos deer tags and they just want to fill tags w what percentage is is trophy deer driven and what percentage is opportunity well i mean we like to try and specialize in the trophy component you know i mean um and trophy uh, our goal is to kill or have our hunters kill a you know a hundred inch or bigger type deer um you know everyone wants a 200 inch mule deer a 350 type elk uh, 80 inch pronghorn you know and in the goal generally for coos deer is 100 inches so um that's our goal we put in a lot of time and effort scouting and and um on the ground and different things to try and try and meet that objective um now with that being said too though we also have a lot of people that just want a good representative buck um you know especially non-residents who uh it's very difficult to draw a tag and coos deer coos deer are one of those exceptions where you can get a tag actually very easily and almost every year um depending on what you're looking for um so we have a lot of people that contact us too saying hey i don't really care about numbers i want this type of a hunt I, i'd like a good mature um buck and you know and and we try and do that too so i, I would say i would say we probably are 60 to 70 percent in terms of more trophy type stuff and the remainder is more opportunity but still trying to specialize in that in that mature you know nice a good good mature deer like a you know a good 3.90 inch plus type thing um really trying to you know get folks something that that is a good representative um uh of the species and, and things like that so sure. uh um, in your mind, these coos deer bucks, the ones that you're targeting that, you know, are a hundred inches or better, what age do you think that those deer, what age do the majority of those deer need to get to in order to, to see that hundred inch mark? So generally speaking, I would say five years old or more. Um, it, it's going to depend on, you know, when you have a big wildfire and then post fire for the next couple of years you've got a just a and you have decent rainfall uh just a, a an explosion of, of forage and things like that so um you know generally speaking age uh genetics and nutrition are the three factors that go into to building a solid you know a solid animal and getting it to its potential um, now, if you have an explosion in nutrition and, and the deer doesn't have quite the age or genetics, then things respond in different ways. But um, I would say to, to get to that 100-inch mark, I mean, you might have a three-and-a-half-year-old deer that, that is approaching that on a good year. But what we're finding is typically five years plus for that deer to really get some good mass and length and start to to realize its potential um i mean we've got a, a deer we're watching right now that's that's pushing nine years old and uh last year he was an absolute tank and we're kind of eager to see what he does this year whether he's gonna um completely you know uh diminish in terms of size or if he will hold that but generally i've been very surprised what uh um how big deer uh stay despite how old they get, you know, and, and generally speaking, eight to 10 years old is very old for a deer. Um, but, uh, anything over five is certainly they're getting into their true potential. Do you feel like coos deer that are getting that, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, 
Um, it sounds like what you're saying is you're surprised at how they hold their size. Um, Correct. And most animals, when they, re you know, really reach maturity and then even start on the downhill slide, their points get shorter, but their mass gets bigger. Do you see that being the case with coos deer as much, or is it, you know, maximum potential as far as point length uh, all the way till when they really start sliding uh, down downhill? Uh, you know, it's funny. I think some of these deer, as they get older, they get super big. They start to get uh, some extras, you know, here and there. They get super massive. Um, and then when they really regress, they almost become like this big, wide, forky, or sometimes very tall, sometimes super heavy. Um, it's, I think it's very, very, it's deer specific almost, um, based on their genetics and stuff. But, um, you know, you can always tell, tell an older deer just by the, how they hold themselves, their body, um, antler configuration and composition, um, and just how they move too. I mean, as we age as, as humans, you know, as we get older, we don't want to do a whole lot, um, the, the older we get and, and a big mature coos deer is just like that too. I mean, they, they really, their home range is, is very, very small and much, much, much smaller than a lot of folks think they, um, think they really are or have. What, what does it take on Arizona public land for those deer to get eight plus years old? Um, so I think obviously good, good forage, um, you know, and we've, especially in Southern Arizona and even central Arizona, 22 and 23, 27, um, we've had a lot of different fires, uh, creating kind of that mosaic of burns and different things and triggering, triggering that early successional kind of forage growth and, and whatnot. Um, forage is, is super critical. Um, uh, you know, and, and the thing that helps with that, like I said, are, are, are things like fires, um, and then post fire, obviously some rainfall to get things greened up. Uh, generally speaking, I think coos deer are, aren't quite as, um, susceptible to kind of the, uh, the, the wide differences, differences in antler growth that we see like with mule deer on the strip or elk and some of the more forested units i think because of the just the 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 variety of forage that they take advantage of and um just being super adaptable i mean you know they're a they're a they're a trooper species and we're seeing them now more in these mule deer habitats than um than historically and uh they're they're almost even bumping some of the mule deer out or out competing them so that was um, going to be my next question. In, in these mature deer, are you seeing a common characteristic or component where they exist? And you kind of answered it there before I even got to ask it, but it sounds like some of these bigger deer, well, I don't want to answer it for you, but it, it sounds like you're saying that they're bumping into the mule deer habitat and that's where maybe they're slipping through the cracks. Yeah, that stuff. So obviously forage is important, but then also you know, living in these, these areas that, um, they're not quite as accessible. I mean, super flat country that people don't even think to hunt them there. Um, or the more mountainous stuff where they're in these pockets that, that, that are just hard to hunt. Um, you know, this forested woodlands type stuff that, 
um, regardless of how you glass it, um, it's super hard to, to, to pick through and, and find those deer, especially these old, older bucks when they're not moving a whole lot. So um, it, it's a combination of, of forage, of the habitats they're living in, with, you know, that, that get them that age to be able to um, reach their potential. Um, and then obviously, you know, genetics, you've got to have, you've got to have genetics to, to, to grow good antlers and you've got these little patches in different mountain ranges. You've got ranges in, in areas within those ranges that are known for just super genetics or unique genetics and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, it, it's fun to, you know, it, it's fun to try and find these bigger deer and, um, and it's oftentimes where, you know, we get, uh, uh, we get kind of, it, it's, it's difficult to, um, to find these things sometimes. And that's why they get big and reach their potential. And that's why you see some of these bucks that are, you know, over 130, even approaching 140 type thing that, um, I mean, they're giants, uh, and especially even in some of those forested countries too, that, um, I mean, my brother had a late tag last year in unit eight and, uh, it was, he was hunting one buck in particular and, you know, those forest deer, they just, you can't, you can't find them. Um, and, uh, we spent upwards of a week trying to find this one particular deer and had days of just not seeing any deer, not even one deer, um, for an entire day. Um, so it can be a grind for sure. You mentioned uh, several things, one of which is there's units that are known for really good genetics. A question I would ask first is, are there some units in southern Arizona that, from your experience, either with the game and fish and or be trouncing around the hills as a guide, are there some units that you would say historically that are just not known for great genetics? Yeah, um, so the units generally with not great genetics i mean i've always been surprised with like unit 32 and 32 does put out some great deer don't get me wrong but have having flown it um you're flying over it thinking it there should it should be absolutely infested with deer and for whatever reason it's not um whether that's a forage component a predator component um just a genetic component whatever it is uh I'm not sure exactly what it is, but so, you know, these units like 32, and again, it does, all these units in Southern Arizona can produce giant deer, but generally speaking, you know, 32 isn't known for giant deer oftentimes, um, spots in like 30A, uh, trying to think what else. Um, you know, it's interesting because 32 was the exact unit I was thinking of. I've spent so much time in there. And I mean, as, as I know you have as well, time in places that I just know people haven't gotten into and penetrated. And then I go in other units, way easier to get into, way more accessible, and there, there's better deer. And, um, you know, we all know that there's a, you know, a, a handful of really big deer probably in 32, but as a, as mm -hmm. a, as a whole... I just over the years thought it would produce better deer consistently than it is. And I asked Dwayne Adams the same question. He, he didn't like uh, 32. He thought the genetics maybe weren't, were, were subpar. And he also thinks it's just a lion magnet over there. And the lions have, 
you know, they, it just seems like those deer can't get old. But even that, I've seen some old deer over there that just never amounted to much. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's spot on. I, it just, for whatever reason, it's, it doesn't, um, it, and I think it's a variety of things that, that come into play. But, uh, yeah, generally 32 doesn't produce the number of big deer that you would see in, you know, the 34A, 36s, 22, 23, you know, 31, some of those units like that. You, you've also said uh, in the last 15, 20 minutes, you've mentioned wildfires a bunch of times. Obviously, there's a big giant wildfire that um, just swept through Unit 33. Uh, give me your assessment of that fire, the condition of the deer, you know, what it's going to take for it, for it to rebound, you know, all that good stuff. So in 33, um, I mean, when that fire started uh, down by Bighorn Mountain, I mean, I was praying that it would blow up and, and it did luckily. Um, and a lot of people were really upset with what it did and, and, and whatnot. And, and I, I can understand that, but from a wildlife standpoint, um, these fires, I mean, 33 is going to blow up. Uh, it will absolutely blow up once we get some rain on the ground and, and let, and let the, the vegetation do what it does. Um, you know, after the Bullock and Aspen fires and, and, uh, 0304, uh, the deer just went completely crazy. And, um, I mean, they had the game and fish department could have allocated many more tags but they were getting into a hunter density issue in terms of um, there were deer available, but hunter density and crowding was getting to be an issue. And so they had to, um, you know, they had to back off in that regard. Uh, <clears throat> so 33, you know, the, the fire that happened last year, the big issue with that was we didn't get any rain post fire. Um, there was, the monsoon was largely absent and it really, in December and January, um, and February for that matter, I mean, deer were, were, they were eating burnt cactus and different things like that. And they were, they were in really, really poor shape. Um, so when the department, I think they've cut like 750 tags in 33 alone this year, um, which I completely support 33 will rebound very strong. Um, and I'm sure that there people are going to see those tags return. Um, but, uh, from a, from a wildlife standpoint and a habitat standpoint, that fire and the, in these wildfires that we've seen over the last few years in Southern Arizona and central Arizona, I mean, they, they really do a lot of great stuff for wildlife. Um, in your you know, opinion though, with like 33, with no, no monsoonal moisture, uh, or I shouldn't say no, but very little monsoonal moisture. And then here we've gone all year basically without much moisture on that fire Yep. It's it's premature, would you agree? It's premature for people to be jumping on the 33 wagon, which is coming as soon as, you know, some moisture gets on there. But aren't we two, three, four years out from probably seeing just an unbelievable um, explosion of deer and, and size of deer and everything in that unit? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I think in reality, you know, you're probably depending on what happens this year, you know, you're looking two to three years out. Um, because once they get, once you get some fawns on the ground, you get some, the small bucks that start to get that, that nutritional benefit from the fires. Um, it's going to take a few years to get them 
to a point where you know that, that they're a mature buck um so i would agree 100 percent that you know yeah I, I would i would really consider my options in terms of deer opportunities this year um again 33 still got a fair number of deer i mean the ring cons are still good but i'm guessing you're going to have a lot of people focusing there instead of the catalinas this year um so uh but in terms of waiting and, and considering other options i think there are better options out there than I, 33 right now i know <laughs> you did for shadow valley outfitters i saw and i'm looking at it right now you did kind of a um shadow valley outfitters top picks for 2021 arizona non-resident coos options and i noticed that you listed 34a as your top unit for trophy quality coos um, so I'll, I'll read it, but I want to come back to 34A. 34A, 36C, uh, third pick is 29, fourth pick 36B, 24B, 33, 36A, 31, 23. Your top pick of 34A, talk about uh, the Santa Rita's, talk about why that's your, your top pick. Um, so... 34A has been producing some really good deer in the last probably four to five years or so. Um, I think it's a combination of, of different. There's been a handful of fires in there. Um, there's some some lowland habitat that I think deer are able to get um, to their, uh, you know, the, these, the age that gets them large, I guess. Uh, there's some private property on the south end of the unit that frankly is, you know, it's off limits to hunting. So you have deer that are able to grow older and then during the rut, especially come up in these huntable areas. And, um, you have this source and sink type, type, uh, uh, effect, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's genetically, it's a solid unit, always producing great deer, um, and you've got, you know, super high stuff from the top of the Santa Rita's near Mount, Mount Wrightston to that low, low elevation country, you know, just south of I-10 in Tucson. And um, you're finding coos deer in that, in a lot of those low areas that they get down there. No one thinks to look for them unless they're hunting, you know, OTC mule deer or something like that. They see a big coos deer. And, uh, and then come the rut, those deer start moving around more and they're more observable. So... Um, and it's, it's a unit too. And, and when I put this group, this list together, you know, I tried to use a, a variety of things and it's a unit that is relatively accessible too. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, especially non-residents who were, you know, who are getting up there in terms of age and they have a bunch of bonus points and they're looking for hunt options. And, um, there are units that, that are much more um physical i guess than other units and so i tried to look at a number of things when i put this list together you know one of the things that i really like about 34a and i've spent quite a bit of time in it is it you know a lot of cooster units are diverse but there's hardly a unit that's as diverse as 34a and you kind of mm -hmm. hit on it from you know mount rights and where it's thicker than thick and you can't see anything down to the desert floor but it's a perfect um example of coos deer could be at the very top or the very bottom and everywhere in between and i think that's something that's pretty neat about the deer specifically in that they could be found 
literally anywhere. They could be found in the forest where they cannot see more than 30 yards in any one direction to the open desert floor that the only thing out there is, you know, staghorn, choya, cactus, and maybe a, a couple of uh, ocotillo and a, and a mosquito or two out in the wide open. So it, it's pretty neat that they can inhabit, you know, such a varied terrain. The second pick there you had was Unit 36C. Um, talk a little bit about that and why that was your second pick. Well, 36C, I guess, has a lot of similarities to 34A in that, um, you know, on the western side, you've got the reservation. Um, deer are relatively unhunted over there. Um, on the southern end, you've got the border. Um, so there's there's that source and sink effect, again, from from deer coming back and forth from both areas. Uh, you've got high elevation country in the Babakivris, um in the coyotes that generally is, I don't want to say unhuntable, but uh, Joe Public typically doesn't get into some of that stuff. And then you've got the super low um, flats that typically you'd see historically more mule deer in, but you're finding a lot of big whitetail in. So um, it, it's another unit that these deer can get some age. Uh, and and we've seen a lot of different a good versatility in terms of different burns over the last five to eight years um it's created this kind of mosaic uh and and you've got a lot of different uh different um successional stages i guess of vegetation um so yeah it, it's in historically tremendous genetics in 36c as well um you know and those deer, especially during the rut, when they come over from the reservation, um, they there's some tremendous bucks that that can that can come over and and get into that 36C huntable country that come from the reservation. So yeah, makes um, sense. Uh, 29, 29. Um, I would say mostly because of the the recent burns, and there's a as we speak another fire going down down there. I think right around that horseshoe. Um, historic horseshoe fire um but with 29 it was kind of funny because uh the horseshoe fire and the horseshoe two fire post those fires it, it, 29 didn't do like what 33 did it didn't completely explode initially but then it's actually done quite well and, and it's opened some of that country up so um 29 is one of those areas where it's more much more mountainous um generally speaking uh, you've got a lot of different burned areas and unburned spots that deer can utilize that unburned and, and you know, high, high, uh, quality forage and then get into that, um, uh, into the fringe area where there's, you know, cover and stuff like that. Uh, so that's, that's generally, and it's producing some great deer too. I mean, uh, uh, Mark Garenia, who's a guide with us, uh, he had a late tag a few years ago and killed an absolute giant down there and, and uh and they've been finding some some really good deer so um yeah kind of a number of things with 29 but it's it's producing great and it's got tremendous genetic potential uh lots of private stuff around the base which again you've got that source and sink kind of effect too the next pick kind of surprised me uh number four 36b i gotta be honest that kind of surprised me to to see it hit your number four yeah 36b is one of those that you know i uh um, I had a chat with uh, a friend of mine, George Alcorda, who has killed um, a ton of 
and guided a bunch of big coups there and, and whatnot. And we were talking about 36B and, you know, 36B, I think probably right now 36B has the most tags in the state in terms of the unit. Um, prior to this year, it used to be 33 and then 36B. But um, there's still, there's a lot of these Ocotillo thickets in 36B where you can find deer sometimes, but actually getting them killed can be tricky. Um, archery, uh, from an archery standpoint, I've been down there many times and been within archery range of, of great deer and literally with no shot because of the, the thickets of Ocotillos. Um, there's a lot of stuff in terms of kind of from the Ruby Road South from a border standpoint that people don't really get into a whole lot um, because of the border issues. Uh, and then you've also got some of the recent fires in both the, uh, uh, the Tumacocris and the Atascosas um, that, again, have, have really opened up some of that country. So it, it, is, it does produce, um, I mean, it produces a ton of deer, um, and there are a lot of permits there, but it's still year after year producing some pretty good, pretty good bucks. And it's relatively accessible, too, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I mean, when you look at the list and you see number nine, 23 and 31 is number eight, um, accessibility kind of weighed into that too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those two units toward the end um, are producing some giant deer. Um, but you also have to be, uh, especially like with 31, you've got to be, be able to be physical to really get into a lot of that country, in my opinion. It's a really so. steep mountain. Now, your fifth pick, 24B, I could really see this because of the latest fire. Talk about 24B. Yep. Yeah, the fire, 100%, and also just accessibility. I mean, it's got country that you could get lost, you know, put your backpack on, get lost, and not see another hunter um, in the entirety of the hunt. Uh, so um, between fire and uh, just overall terrain, um, and accessibility. I mean, it's, it's producing some great deer and, and we've seen, um, a handful of really big deer killed out of 24 B in the last five years or so. Um, some of which are in some spots where again, you wouldn't even expect them. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a combination, combination of things there with 24 B from the fire to terrain accessibility. And, um, it, it, I think it'll, now that we've got a couple years post-fire, um, it, it should really start to, to blow up. Especially if we can get a good monsoon this year, I think. Uh, it would have been amazing to have a great monsoon last year to see what that fire would do. Oh, 100%. Your yep. next pick, uh, 33, you already talked about that. Uh, number 7, 36A. Yeah, 36A is one of those, again, generally speaking, you know, besides the Sierritas, not a lot of mountainous country. Um, but it's funny when you, I mean, 36A is more known for mule deer, but when you start to get out on some of those knobs and you start glassing, you'll see as many coos deer as mule deer, if not more. Um, and it's because of that terrain that it, those deer are growing, um, pretty large. And, uh, there was also, um, a decent, a super low intensity burn last year down there, um, that kind of just meandered through some areas, um, and did a ton of good and the deer were in that hot and heavy post burn um it it got a little bit more rain down there than what like 33 did um so yeah 30 36a is one of those more because of the, the low elevation the flat terrain 
making it difficult to to actually find and locate those bucks and those those deer are getting some some age and maturity and now with some of the fires and things you've got that uh, nutritional component um again deer coos deer for whatever reason they love the ocotillo thickets and you can find some dog hair ocotillo thickets down there so <clears throat> one and you you've already talked about uh, the grams uh, unit 31 santa Teresa's a little bit and and then your ninth pick 23 and we can come back to those two if you want but one unit that i'm surprised that didn't make the list i'm just curious if there's a specific reason 35a didn't make the top nine you know the the 30 uh 35a and b um they always produce some great deer um and there are some spots in there that are very huntable um it between some accessibility stuff and just it being thick generally speaking um there's a lot of a lot of people that just kind of decide to um to go different directions i guess um but if you're comfortable with sitting down glassing using big good big optics and good optics and seeing fewer deer in general um then there's certainly potential there um don't get me wrong at all i mean i the it, it's a great unit um but i've talked with a lot of people too and I've even had some people in, you know, who have hunted 23 in the past and uh, more during like an OTC hunt. And they went an, an entire hunt without even seeing a deer. Um, and generally speaking, the folks that I try and that I talk with, they would prefer to see more deer, even if they're not necessarily the caliber they're looking for, than, you know, not see any deer at all type thing. And um picking through some of that forested that woodland stuff can be tricky and uh so again don't get me wrong it's it's got tremendous potential from a trophy standpoint um if if you know what you're doing and you can hunt hunt right i do have a question for you about some outlying units 40a 37a 37b um kind of fringe not known for coos deer but thoughts on that those three units yeah i mean so 40a um you know you've got deer clear out over toward ajo um coos deer in small little isolated pockets um they can roam over there through the reservation and, and you'll find them in there and typically uh it's almost an untapped resource for coos deer um so in the same thing with 37a i was on a sheep hunt with a friend last year at 37a and the any, any antler deer hunt was going on during that time and we ran into this guy and he had killed like a 112 type coos deer out in the middle of nowhere um and uh so those those outlier units um are tremendous areas to go and and try and find some of these older age class deer um if you go into it knowing that you're unlikely to see um many if any coos deer um but you know again if you're looking for a giant um sometimes that's where these jumbos are hiding is those those outliers like that i mean but you in those three units you literally could be you need to be prepared that you could go the whole time and never even see a coos deer and as long yep. as you're okay with that day after day after day you just need to know what you're up for um you mentioned bouncing around in the silver silver bells um 
can can you give us an update on your thoughts on the sheep and the sheep over um on, on the big on in 33 yeah so the silver bells are doing well um i think they're planning another capture this year i know they they postponed a lot of surveys and capture efforts last year um, because of COVID. Uh, it's my understanding that they're looking to do another capture this year in the Silver Bells and and continue to um, restore that population in the uh, in the uh, Picachos. Um, so I think that is being looked at and potentially planned. Uh, in terms of 33, uh, the fire that happened in there was the best thing that's ever happened for that sheep herd in 33. Um, I mean, it, it opens it up, predation. Um, in some of those areas, sheep can actually get into some of that historic habitat that is now open. Um, predation should be much lower uh, from lions and things like that because of increased visibility. And, I mean, sheep are super adaptable. So uh, all the fire and stuff like that, I mean, they're, they're hot and heavy in that burn country right now. Um, I have not seen any type of... Uh, uh, figures or anything from the game of fish in terms of recruitment or numbers, but last I heard was they were um, the last survey was um, better than they expected, and they're still um, optimistic, I think, and I think that things are looking looking good so far. Well, fantastic. Uh, ben, it's always great having you on the podcast. I know there's more that I could ask you about. We'll have to do it another time. I appreciate you spending time with us and uh, want to give you a chance if there's anything that you think I missed or that you wanted to touch on uh, feel free to speak up as well as give uh, the listeners a chance where they can uh, find uh, how, how to follow you how to uh, speak with you more and I'll be happy to uh, link those up in the show notes as well yeah no as always I really appreciate the opportunity Jay um, again all the information um, you know that the, the the one pager that I prepared, and it's it's focused on non-residents, um, but uh, that's on our Instagram and Facebook sites, and, and that'll be on our website as well. Um, and it kind of breaks down some of the trophy quality for Q's deer. Uh, if you're a non-resident and you've got bonus points, how many bonus points uh, it takes to draw those late December tags, um, you know, and you can, I was kind of, and that's using Go Hunt is in terms of the, uh, um, the draw stats and stuff like that. Um, but so you can you can check out there, uh, you know, what it would take if you've got some bonus points to take it to, to draw a December tag. Or if you're interested just in hunting coos deer um, and you have zero points, what are your opportunities? Um, and coos deer are one of those things that you can very easily get a tag in a good tag and have a chance at killing a great deer um, by just putting in for one of these hunts that, you know, can be drawn with zero points. So um, all that information is, is uh, on that one-page sheet that I prepared. Again, it's on the uh, Shadow Valley Outfitters Instagram, Facebook page, and it'll be on our website shortly. So um, if you uh, need to get a hold of me, Bob or Pat, again, you can do so on any of those uh, platforms as well. Ben, thanks for uh, taking the time and sharing with us. Uh, it's always great talking to you. I love seeing the success you guys have and the big deer you guys are always chasing and and uh wish you the best of success this fall if i don't chat at you have a good elk season and i know you'll be uh really grinding on these deer uh once they start growing and and checking them out and watching them so uh 
have fun with that, and I'll be chatting at you down the road. All right. Thank you much, Jay. I appreciate it. You have a great day. All right, buddy. God bless. All right. Bye-bye.